Okay, here we go. Praise God. So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be our first scripture reading. Matthew chapter 6. Today's title, if you want a title, is going to be Letting Go of the, of the Toxic. I know this is a popular thing. Things that are toxic. Things. What does toxic mean? Let's ask our students. What does toxic mean? Something that's not good for you, okay? What it, do you have any ideas of some substance that might be toxic? Poisonous. It's po- poison, toxic. Letting, think, letting go of things that are poison to you. That's good, okay? Anybody else have a, a word that pops in their head? Anything about toxic? Dangerous. Yeah, you see those signs that might say they have like crosses on them and they say toxic and they on the sides of the... Um, 18-wheelers, when they go by, when they're carrying toxic chemicals, it'll say toxic on it, right? It's poisonous. It's not good for you. It could be deadly. And the popular thing in our culture today across the nation is that letting go of toxic people. They tell you, you know, oh, you should, if there's a person in your life and they're toxic, you should let them go. They're, 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 and I remember one of my friends many, many years ago, she was seeing um, a counselor. And, the, and she had this really not good relationship in her life. And, I, and um, God, um, the, the, I'm sorry, not God, the counselor told her to let go of this relationship. And the Holy Ghost actually bore witness to that she did need to let go of that relationship because this person was just completely controlling that person, the other person's life, my friend's life, and it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy. And so she had to learn where to cut those strings. And she still struggles with that today, how to sometimes, like, should I go back to it because it's a family member? And should I let this, you know, I, what, you know people say, well, yeah, but you're, you know, it's family, but, but you have to know what's healthy for your relationship with God, what's healthy and what's going to help you to grow in the Spirit and walk with Him. Amen? Yes, ma'am. Yes, amen. There's always caution and a warning. She said, even though we might know this, that it's toxic, or maybe we don't know. Maybe it looks like you know. I think about back in my back when we were my kids were little. When I was maybe ten or twelve, they had those little Mister Yuck stickers that you put on um, poisonous substances. Like so, instead of saying put it up high, they just said put a sticker on it. So, so it's under the sink, and you open the sink, and you see this Mr. Yuck on there. And um, I don't know why the skull and crossbones wasn't good enough. We had to put Mr. Yuck, a little green sticker on there. So you would know this was yucky, and don't, don't eat it. And then, you know, the, the next generation came along and decided to eat Tide Pods. And so they had to put, you know, child safety locks on the top of Tide Pods. And who knows? Ch- children can usually get into the child safety locks better than we can, right? But we need to heed these warning signs, like Sister's saying. And when, when you see these warning signs, you back away from them, right? So you say, okay. And so the Lord said, you might see somebody, man, they're just so much fun. And they look like they're having such a great time. And, and, and they go to church. And maybe they drive the church bus. And, and they, they listen to fun, hip Christian music. And they just seem like such good people. But the Holy Ghost says something in your ear really quietly. just says no. And you say, but... but Anybody ever do that? But and the Lord said, I said no. And you think, well, why? Well, maybe it's just not time for that relationship. Untimely things can be toxic, right? Did you know that you can get too much oxygen and it can be toxic for you? 
that you can get too much water and you can actually overdose on water. Did you know that? Because the water displaces the oxygen in your body. You can get too much water. So too much of a good thing can be bad. It can become toxic. This is just a precursor. So we understand what toxic means, right? So this is what, um, let's, let's read on down a little bit. So I'm going to propose a question to you in just a second. But first, well, let's read this scripture. Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So when we, when we you know, there's another place where he says, when you come to the altar, you need to make sure that you've had your um, things made right with other people. Right? And some people get all this stuff kind of confused. Well, okay, so I want to bring, I want to come before the Lord. I want to come before the Lord pure and holy, not holding any grudges, not having an alt against my brother or sister in Christ. I want to um, be able to forgive, and I want to be forgiven, right? And we want to know that the Lord hears us when we pray. We want to know that he is, he is, um, he's, uh, He's, that we have his favor and that he is he, he's doing what it says right here. That he says, yes, I see that you have forgiven and I forgive you also. But if you hold that grudge and you don't forgive, then I can't forgive you. Right? That's what scripture says. So we, we, we see all these things and sometimes we get a kind of confused thinking, well, what is forgiveness then? So many times what I'm, what I'm seeing is that we think that uh, there's a couple of different ways. And there's one group of people that I know that there are people that I know that they think, well, I forgive them, but I'm never going back there. I'm never going to speak to them again. I'm done. And that would be someone who is toxic to you that could, you know, cause that really causes bad stuff in your life, right? But you, that forgiveness has to be total. It has to be, I truly forgive this person, and then when you hear their name, you don't get triggered. Amen? Maybe, maybe there needs to be some deliverance there. Am I right? That when you hear that person's name, you don't suddenly your face and your countenance changes and you look angry and fire starts shooting from your eyes and you think, that person. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? You need for, we need forgiveness. Why? That total forgiveness would be, you know, that person's a child of God, just like I am. Amen? They were created. With purpose. God has a plan for them. Or maybe maybe they, things are getting better. Maybe we, maybe we should pray for that person. Lord, help them. Save them. You know, just have your way in their life. Right? We need to be able to release them. Not hold that grudge. If you forgive them, there's no grudge left. There's no ill feelings left. There's no, there's no, there's no hatred left. Right? God hates the sin, but he doesn't hate the person. Amen? So if that person is continuing in sin, we hate the sin, but we don't hate that person. We forgive them, and we release them back to God, and let God deal with them. Right? I spoke to a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and she said someone had broken into their church, stole their um, equipment. I don't remember if this was at the same time or not, but they did some graffiti in the church. And she said, you know what? She said, but God's going to deal with them. Right? She said, she just, God's going to deal with them. 
And we went back to Albuquerque and we got our money together and we went to Albuquerque and we bought another guitar and we put it right back in there. And she said, we, take, we got a little portable PA system so we take it back home. We don't leave it in the church anymore. But she, she, let, it, she let God have it. Amen? Let God have it. But we let go of that grudge. We let go of that pain. Because if, if you say, you know what, I'm cutting this toxic person off out of my life, but I'm holding this grudge still. Then that grudge becomes kind of like a teddy bear to you. It kind of becomes kind of like something you almost find some kind of comfort or some kind of revenge type feeling inside of you that you find comfort in. And that's not where we need to find our comfort. Amen? Our comfort is in Christ Jesus. He, the Holy Ghost, is our comforter. Amen? He leads us and guides us in all truth and righteousness. What did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hanging on the cross. Nails in his, right here in his wrists and in his feet. Holding him to the cross, they had him tied. They, they tied and they would bind them up there. And every time he had to take a breath, he had to lift himself up on those nails to breathe. And yet he found enough love and compassion for the people to lift himself up to other, utter the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When he was in excruciating pain, Pain that none of us have ever dealt with. And I pray that you never do. The kind of pain, and it wasn't just physical pain, it was emotional pain, it was um, spiritual pain, all of it. All of our sins were being heaped upon him, and he still cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He is our ultimate example of what is forgiveness. Amen? And that's how he forgave you. Amen? And that's why we need to let those waves of glory wash over us and change us from glory to glory into his likeness and image. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So here Jesus says, this was Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6. And when he said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Well, what begins to happen is that if you don't forgive, that stuff takes up residency in your spirit. It begins to take residency in your soul, in your mind. Right? And if it's in your mind, it begins to affect how you think about things, how you react and respond to things. Like you hear their name and you get triggered. You smell their cologne. You get triggered. Maybe they wash all their clothes in game. You smell game walking down the Walmart aisle. You get triggered. You think you start thinking about that person. You get angry. It, it becomes toxic to you because it's poisoning your thoughts. And then what, what follows is if what's happening in your brain, what happens in your mind, then your will begins to follow it. It becomes your will to submit to that. Your, your mind is saying, you know what, it starts send, sending off those, I don't know, fiery darts, right? Those, those, those thoughts that, you know what, I can't stand that person. I hate that person. I wish I'd never met that person. Why am I even here? What, you know, why did I have to go through that? And then you might start getting angry at God about God letting you go through that when it wasn't, you know, God told you not to go over there to start with, maybe. Amen? Sometimes it's not your choice. 
Maybe, maybe it's someone in your family and you had no choice. You were in that situation and you couldn't control it. That is, again, you have to forgive that person and forgive the people that were your parents, grandparents, whoever was over you. Forgive them. And I'm not saying just, just forget it, move on. That's not forgiveness. That's, that's, that's burying it inside of you and that will eat you up as well. That's toxic. Amen? You have to deal with it. Am I right? Amen. How do you deal with it, Pastor? How am I supposed to deal with this? You're telling me to basically, you, you know, you might be sitting there and you're receiving it like, well, yeah, okay, so you just, you're basically, you're just telling me to get over it. No, I'm not. You don't just get over stuff. Amen? I recently heard the terminology get over yourself a good bit. You don't just get over it. Amen? You know, it's not all about you, but it's about the Lord and it's about your relationship with the Lord. So the more you grow in your relationship with the Lord, the more he will bring these things to, your, to the surface. The Spirit will bring it to the surface, and you will deal with them. Amen? You won't deal with them on your own. You have God. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the Word of God. You have men and women of God. You have grandmas and grandpas of the Lord that you can go to and ask them. You have moms and dads of the Lord that you can ask, help me. Am I right? Amen? You have the family of God. If you need help, you can have prayer. You can say, you know what? I'm really having a hard time understanding this forgiveness. I'm having a hard time overcoming this, this situation. Would you pray with me about it? And God will lead you through it and bring you through it. And he provides the healing. Amen? Okay, so here's the question I want to pose to you. So we've dealt a little bit about forgiving other people. What if that toxic person is yourself? This is what I got this week, last week. I was leading a Bible study, impromptu, and the Lord gave me this, these notes afterwards. And I wrote this down. So this is something for us to use for introspection that we look inside ourselves and we and we we can guard against becoming that toxic person of our that we become toxic to our own selves and to our own lives. Or maybe we're that person that might be toxic to someone else. How can that be? I'm a Christian. You know, people ask all the time, why am I going through this? I'm a Christian. How does this happen? I'm a Christian. Well, sometimes it's stuff that you haven't dealt with yet, that hasn't been, you know, that you haven't been healed from yet. Something that God is bringing you to, and today's the day. Amen? Maybe sometimes it's something that you've come into and didn't recognize it. Has anybody ever just kind of come, you found yourself in a mess and you didn't realize how you got there? And you thought, you thought, you know, you were doing all the right things, and here you, you're... What happened? Right? So then you might become that toxic stuff that started to come from you instead of somebody else. So what if you are that toxic person? What if you're the toxic one in your life? That's tough, huh? But then we realize, you know, things that you say to yourself, again, with your mind, the things that you think about yourself, the Bible tells us and the Word tells us that God's thoughts towards us are good, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. So what should your thoughts toward yourself be? You should love yourself. Yeah. That I am loved. That I am beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Dudes, it, happens, it applies to you too. You're beautiful. Amen? God is beautiful. He's lovely. 
so are you. Amen? So it applies to all of us that we are beautiful, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am a child of God, that I have been set free from the chains of sin and death, that I have been, that I'm, my feet are planted on the solid rock, that I'm not going to be moved. That we, maybe you need to wake up in the morning and wash your face and look in the mirror. Maybe you don't want to look in the mirror yet. Maybe you just need before your feet even hit the floor, begin to remind yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. Because of him, because he lives, I can face today. Amen? Because he lives, I'm going to get up out of the bed. Because he lives, I can do this. Amen? We've become way too self-reliant in our society. I got this. Our friends tell us, oh girl, you got this. I got your back. You know what? I want Jesus to have my back. Amen? Remember back in the day when everybody was falling out everywhere and revivals and stuff? We still do. But nowadays we have somebody stand behind you to catch you. Back in my day, you had time to get behind somebody. And you better get out of the way when they're going down because you're going to get hurt if you ain't a Holy Ghost yourself. Amen? It's a good way to get your shoulder dislocated. So we, we, we need to understand that what God wants to do in you is to bring you to that place of fullness, to bring you to that place of shalom. What does shalom mean? Do you remember? It means peace. It means complete wholeness. It literally means nothing lost, nothing broken within you. Okay? So when, that, when the Lord really grabbed my heart and taught me the meaning of that word was when we were coming cross country to South Carolina, I mean, from South Carolina to here, and all four tires on that big trailer right here, this big one that says Navajo H2O on it, that big one was loaded down with about, what, 8,000, 10,000 pounds? And all four tires went out and spun us around in the middle of I-20. 20? Towards I-20. We spun around, and I'm like, I said, Larry, you need to slow down. And he said, I'm trying. And I heard the tone of his voice, and I shut my mouth. And I said, Lord, it's all up to you. Stone and my, uh, my spiritual son, Scott, were in the back seat. We weren't even an hour away from our house. We weren't even 45 minutes away from the house. And all four wheels, just tires just blew out. There's huge scrapes in the middle of the highway about this deep where the, the um, rims ate into the road. I remember we were pulling it with this uh, excursion. So we're going down the road. And next thing, it begins to rock, and I'm like, Larry, slow down. He said, I'm trying. The trailer was pushing the excursion. I don't know if you ever know what this feels like. And the next, I look to the right, and here comes the trailer towards me. The truck, the truck's still going this way. Now the trailer is beside me, and then the truck begins to turn. And I'm, I'm just, I just give it to the Lord. I just gave it to the Lord, and I'm like, everything slowed down in slow-mo. I felt like, whoa, really? It's like none of us were screaming. Nobody was scared. It was like this whole, the whole cab of the truck was filled with the presence of God, and we felt, I felt, I felt, I'll speak for myself, kind of like I was in a Holy Ghost marshmallow. Everything was fine. We're just watching, it, watching the whole thing transpire. Turned the whole, whole rig around and placed us facing the other way on the interstate. 
It was just after dark. This is a busy interstate. When we got, Larry dragged the thing back across the other side so it would be facing the right direction, off onto the road. And, well, he drove it. He didn't drag it. Our excursion dragged it across the other side. So we'd be facing the right direction. And um, we're sitting there, and I texted Devana. They were in the other truck. They also had a little trailer behind them. They had their daughter, little little daughter, and their little, oh wait, little baby, only six weeks old. So I texted her and I said, you're going to see us on the side of the road? Don't worry, just keep on getting it. She texted me back and she said, after when she started realizing what, you know, something's up, I don't know why they're pulled off the side of the road, but it was dark, and I just told her, just keep going, don't worry about it. We just hit a little snag in the road, we'll be fine. A little hiccup is what I told her. And so she, um, she messaged me later, maybe once I told her what all had happened, everything was fine. And she said, Mama, I thought you prayed, nothing lost, nothing broken. What's going on? And I'm, I'm praying, and I'm looking at the scripture, like, yeah, that's a good question, Lord. What, what just happened? You know, because I've been doing this for 10, 12 years and never had any problem except one time one of the kids didn't tie down the spare, spare tire that they said they were charged to do, and I did not inspect what I expected, and the tire came off in front of us. I mean, came off the, our little flatbed trailer that time, and it passed us on the highway, and, it, and a, a truck hit it, and thankfully he was a professional truck driver, and it, it blew out his tire, and we just had to pay for his tire. And everybody was fine. So that's the only incident we ever had all those many years. And so the first time we decided to, you know, load everybody up and move to Beverly, the whole, all the tires blow out our newly gifted trailer. So I'm, I'm praying about it. And the Lord says, he led me to the scripture where it says, um, and he shall be called. Right? He said, where in that scripture it says, and he shall be called. Emmanuel, mighty God, counselor, prince of peace, prince of peace, prince of peace. And what does that mean, Lord? Why are you showing me this? I know he's the prince of peace. I'm a minister, I know. I didn't say that. But you know, you just kind of have this thought in your mind, like, what is he saying? What are you saying? So look deeper, look deeper. So I looked a little deeper. And the Prince of Peace translates Sar Shalom. And I might be saying it with the wrong, that's my southern accent, that's how I say it. Sar Shalom, which means Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Sar Shalom. He is our peace. Amen? We're saved, right? We're born again. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ, the same one that hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we are forgiven because of his shed blood and because he is the resurrected one on the third day he arose. Amen? And he sits ever making intercession for us. So he is our Sar Shalom. The Shalom is not some kind of magic trick or something where you just say, you know, um, in Hawaii they say what? Aloha. Hello and goodbye. And people, and when, you, when you're coming up in school and stuff and you think, okay, so in, in Hawaii they say, um, Aloha, meaning hello and goodbye as well. So that they were taught that shalom is basically the way they, the, the Jewish people or Hebrew people greet one another and they bless one another as they leave. And that's all. That's where it ends. That's not true. It's not like they look at each other and say peace. 
Or they do that. Did y'all know this is what it, the sign for Shalom? It's not Star Trek. <laughs> That's where you got it from. This is the sign. Live long and prosper. It's Jewish. Do you know that? Yeah. Trekkies know what I'm talking about. So when you, when you um, understand, when we begin to understand that he is our Shar Shalom and that he brings that complete and total peace, it's not about whether or not your tires blew out. It's about your well-being. Amen? Your well-being. You're in that bubble. You're in that safety net. You're wrapped. Who said that about the other day about bubble wrap? Was that you, Marjorie? We are wrapped in bubble wrap. Holy Ghost bubble wrap. Amen? Unbreakable, unmovable presence of God. That's the star alone. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen? So we can get to that place again. We don't have to be toxic. We don't have to be like that. We don't have to be having these negative, mean, hateful thoughts. We don't have to be pushed around by, by these, 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 these emotions that are triggered by this toxicity. Does that make sense? So, yes, you're, we are emotional people. We're emotional creatures. God has emotions, right? Holy Ghost is emotional. He has emotions. So we, too, should have emotions. And God deals with our emotions. Amen? The Holy Ghost deals with our emotions. He deals with our conscience. He deals and leads us and guides us. And he knows how we're created because he was there in the creative process. How were you created? By the power of the Holy Ghost. He knows. There's nothing missing. There's nothing that he misses. So he knows and he understands. But because he understands, he wants to bring you out of it. Amen? He doesn't say, oh, I understand. You, you're angry and you're puffed up and you're just going to be like this all the days of your life. This is who you are now. No. Holy Ghost says, no. I came. Jesus came to shed his blood for you so that you can be made whole, so that you can walk in his presence. So that you can walk in this peace that he has. Turn with me to John chapter 8. John, the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 8. He wants us to be made whole. And that, some of that wholeness, a great deal of that wholeness, lies in two things. The two things the enemy comes against you with. The number one thing is fear. And why do we not forgive some form of fear? Fear of letting go of that that thing that we've got so familiar with, John chapter 8. Or fear of confrontation. We don't want to confront them. What if they're dead? What if that person's been dead for 10 years and you haven't forgiven them? Do you just say, you know what, they're dead. I don't have to deal with it. You still have it. You still have to forgive them. You still need to find that forgiveness. If it still wakes you up at night and you're still thinking about why that happened or you're still triggered by it, then you need to forgive them. It's good for you. It's not good for you to hold on to it. It's toxic. Amen? If joy and laughter are good for you, and it's good for your bones, even. Mm-hmm. Then what's the opposite of that? Anger, frustration, hate, despicableness, despising someone, 
those things will take residence. Shame. Shame. Those things will take residence. Those things are toxic. When you think about, when you look at things um, in the human body, and we think, okay, so this person has joint pain. And I'm not, I'm not bringing this up because what we prayed about already, because that's gone, amen? We're not receiving that. Most of your joint pain this morning, from what I understand, is from injuries and they need to be healed, right? But someone who has chronic joint pain and that, that keeps coming back and it's not from injuries, um, and maybe, maybe the doctor says it's arthritis or something like that, a lot of times that can come from what we're talking about. That toxicity literally builds up in your body. It literally becomes something, the physical, the spiritual that manifests in the physical. And so that it begins to take resonance. It takes, it takes up. And I hear people, good, well-meaning people say, my arthritis, my depression, my anxiety, whatever. It's not yours, okay? So that's the first screen we're going to cut. You're not mine. You don't belong. Amen? Cut it off. Depression, anxiety, addiction, disease, you're not mine. You do not belong to me. I am a child of God. God said it. That settles it. It's done. Amen? Are you with me? We're not receiving it. So every time that thought comes to your mind, you say, no, I'm not receiving it. It's real easy. No. Just say no. Amen? Hereditary traits, yes, just say no. Amen? I am. Um, I think I've told you all this before, but I didn't go to the doctors when I was young, just didn't need to. I was always really healthy. And so when I first um, became, was, was expecting our first child, I went to the doctor. They give you this long paper to fill out. And they want you to check all these things out. By now, I'm a Christian filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, do you have diabetes in your family? No, Jesus doesn't have diabetes. Amen? Do you have mental health issues in your family? No, Jesus has no mental health issues. Amen? Because, and I didn't know it was Shar Shalom. I knew Jesus was my peace. I knew Jesus was my savior. I hadn't been saved, but maybe not even a year, right? Do you have high blood pressure, hypertension? No, no, no. All the way down the whole thing. So that when I, anytime I go to the doctor and they hand me that long sheet, I just know, no, 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 no. Nada. Not claiming it. It doesn't belong to me. I don't receive it. I am a child of God. Amen? All right. So let's read this really quick. Y'all ready? All right. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, unto Jesus, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, tempting Jesus, that they might have to accuse him. They wanted, they were trying to trick him, trying to catch him. Jesus stooped down, and with his finger, he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. 
How to irritate a Pharisee. (laughs) So, verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up, he stood up, and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And when they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Jesus was the only one without sin. He could have cast the stone. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Praise God. As I wrote these, I mean, it's just two short notes in big letters. As I wrote these notes the other day, that was the last, the last thing God said, was neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Adultery is a big deal. And she was accused of being caught in the very act, of being caught in the, the act of adultery. And the law did say that she should be stoned. But Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. As Christians, as New Testament Christians, we have that power within us to say, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen? That's forgiveness. He did it for you. We need to do it for others. Amen? And I want to say this, that yes, it's going to be good for you. Yes, it's healing for you. Jesus didn't do it for himself. He did it for her. He did it for us. Amen? So when we forgive, we need to forgive that person because they, you don't want them to go to hell. Amen? No matter what they do, I still don't want to see them burn in hell for eternity. Amen? What if they got saved? What if they got born again? What if they got filled with the Holy Ghost? What if they began to, to preach the gospel? And we're still sitting there in a love on a log, holding our grudges, sick, not well, not happy, got the old sour face. Is that what you want for your life? No, that's not what God wants for your life. He wants us to live in freedom. Amen? And being bound by unforgiveness is not freedom. Amen? Praise God. So neither, Jesus said, neither do I forgive condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee, but go and sin no more. What, okay, so this is my my one other note. What if your unforgiveness, unconfessed sin, unresolved hurts are why you are motivated or what you are motivated by? We should not be motivated by those things. So many times people, I've seen it, I've seen altars filled with people. I've I've prayed and ministered with thousands of people. I have no idea how many. And sometimes they're there crying, tears pouring down their face. 
And it's not because they're repentant of their sin. It's not because they're sorry. It's not because they're broken before the Lord. It's because they're thinking about what so-and-so did to them. Amen? It's because they're thinking about how hurt they are and how sad they are and how... And they're stuck right there. And they don't know how to get beyond that. They don't know how to get past that. And sometimes they don't want to move past that. They, they're stuck because that, that unforgiveness, that those unre, unconfessed sins, those unresolved past hurts are holding them still, bound. And that's where they need freedom. That's where ministers of men and women of God that can hear and be moved by the Spirit, the fivefold ministry comes into, act, where we, into action because we need to be able to hear from God to be able to minister to them and say, you know what, I see that you have some unresolved, unconfessed sin. You do? We've got to be bold enough to say what the Lord has shown us. Amen? Men and women of God, ministers. We need to be bold enough to be able to see it and hear what the Lord is saying. And minister to them. Because they've got to come out of it. But ultimately, let me tell you something. Ultimately, what has God always wanted? A one-on-one -on -one intimate relationship with each and every individual. Amen? So many times, been in places, as a young Christian, I wanted to be called out. I wanted the minister to call me out, tell me something. And the Lord would tell me to sit right there. And then he began to deal with me about stuff on my own one-on-one. -on -one. Why does he do that? Because he wants to draw you closer to him so that you can get closer to him. Amen? My brother, when I was a little girl, my brother's um, tall and skinny like stone. He's got pretty big hands like stone too. Big, wide stretch. At least I, mean, I was a little kid, so my, I got a little head. So he, he learned this, don't do this. And he learned this, that... Um, <laughs> I would come at him for something and he would just put his hand on my forehead and his hand was just big enough that he could kind of hold me still. So if I'd be swinging at him, trying to hit him, and he would just hold, put his hand on my forehead and hold me there. And I just wasn't quite, you know, if I tried to back up and move, he, his, his arm, his reach was long enough where he could, I just couldn't get away from him, you know? <laughs> and so, sometimes the Lord will lead me, even as your pastor, to kind of sort of put my hand on your forehead, so to speak. And hold you there so that you will hear from the Lord rather than me. That's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. Sometimes ministers, we get all puffed up and we think we're the only one that can hear from God. But you're only going to hear from God from me. But what, and ultimately, what a good pastor wants is for you to grow up and to be strong in your relationship and your hearing from God. Amen? Get it? Who was it? One of the kids kept saying that. Get it? <laughs> Praise God. So, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. We must forgive so that we can be forgiven. And remember that with God, nothing shall be impossible. All things are possible with God. Amen? Does anybody want prayer this morning? Do you want to come together in agreement? We're going to go ahead and close out our service this morning.